Oh shit! <laughs> It'll be interesting. <laughs> I was just gonna be polite and ask some questions, but you know. No, no. I guess Rip is, Rip is asshole. He can... is identified. Did you tell this guest what we were gonna do this time? He doesn't really know me that well yet, so we'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Party at the All Points, a journey through the competitive realms of Age of Sigmar. And now your hosts, Dayton O'Bray, Jeffrey Bodine, and Price Van Der Welcome, everyone, to Party at the All Points, your Age of Sigmar podcast. Today is going to be an extra special episode, hopefully. Uh, try to talk to a few more people across the pond, I believe. But with you, as always, we have myself, Dayton Obery. And me, Jeff Bodine. And it's me, Price Vandenberg. And with us tonight is our extra special man of the hour, the guy who honestly is probably the main reason why I wanted to start doing content creating as is, the Honest Wargamer. Rob Sines. Oh, wow. Is that because you're like, that is awful. I can do so much better, so much easier. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the only guy that can go like 107 days straight and still provide <laughs> decent content. Oh, I'm not sure. But thank you. And also, thank you. Pleasure to be on the show. Um, uh, and I appreciate it so much. So thanks. Yeah, no worries. Uh, <clears throat> now, Price is familiar with you. Jeff is not. So why don't we uh, give a little what is Honest Wargamer and uh, basically your general, what, how it all came about and what you are about yourself. Okay. Uh, uh, Rob, hi. Um, six or two, uh, getting chunkier by the day. Uh, Unbelievably and, uh, handsome. <laughs> a beard that just makes you want to comb your hands through it and rub your face into him. But yes, continue. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, uh, Honest Wargamer is, so I, I previously worked for Games Workshop um, uh, as doing their, I set up Warhammer Live and I worked in their marketing department, you might know it's the community team. Uh, I left uh, there uh, for several reasons, uh, but most importantly, I think because the Honest Wargamer was something that I felt that uh, the mini wargaming industry probably could do with, which would be free and independent media. Um, so we set up with like a clear goal and that goal is that uh, everything we do is free. Um, and uh, uh, we don't take sponsorship off anyone. So there was a certain point where Games Workshop offered to send us some f advanced books and things like that, and we said no. Uh, we said that, you know, politely, thank you very much, but no, uh, that isn't something we would like. And therefore, as much as our opinions may be wrong, uh, and I might be a blowhard that no one cares to listen to, uh, at least you know those opinions have not been paid for by anyone else. That's really important. So we're completely crowdfunded. Uh, and then uh, over the past two and a bit years we've been developing uh tried trying to developing wargaming into something maybe more than it is in some parts uh in other parts we've been trying to destroy it uh, <laughs> <laughs> the lord giveth the lord yeah. taketh away yeah, so it depends on which side of the fence you are. <laughs> to be honest, though, really, that's all a lie. It's just a vehicle to have Nathan Prescott talk to people and put him uncomfortably in a position with a microphone for several hours a day. Um, I feel really... like that's doing the Lord's work, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, everything. He's just the best ever. So, yeah, that's me. That's me, that, if that's enough. Um, but yeah, Rob. Yeah, Rob. 
Rob has been, uh, what, you've been at it for about almost five years now? I want to say. Uh, so <clears> I, started, I started a podcast with Nathan before I worked for Games Workshop called the Bravery One podcast, uh, all of which had to be redacted off the internet when oh. I went to work for Games Workshop. Because Games we Workshop. Had a, yeah, because Games Workshop. But we, uh, to be fair, though, I did have to go and work with Jervis Johnson. Uh, 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 not Jervis Johnson. Anyway, Jervis. Uh, and there was a section on the show called Pillow Talk with Jervis, where that was our news section. And the news section was uh, insinuating that me and Jervis were in a, a sexual relationship. And then when he'd finally finished <laughs> orgasming all over me, he would do sweet pillow talk. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this on the show. Is that okay? Uh, Rage of Sigmar is already... Okay, okay. And Vince gets his uh, assy. That's a fact. Yes. Um, uh... <laughs> new army? That new army that he's coming out with is Empire. Oh, he's army. going to get his ass eaten so hard. So hard. <laughs> yeah, it's anyway. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, we did that, and I used to insinuate that Jervis, after he'd finished done in, being done with me, he would tell me rumours of what was coming out. So it all had to be redacted. There was loads more. Magnic tunneling really made Nathan laugh. That was anal uh, referencing all day long. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. You could say I've got more professional or just more boring. I'm going to go for boring personally. So. I, honestly, you're not giving yourself enough credit here. You are very much in touch with the gaming community you hold GW accountable for things that they are doing that they should be doing better. You give them props though when they do do things right. So you're not just a negative person on this. You're super in love with the GW games. Well, two of them, 40K and Age of Sigmar. Obviously Age of Sigmar is probably your main love. And you try to highlight the community as much as you can by streaming and just being open and honest by doing everything live. So there's no retraction. There's no editing. You just do it. No, I wish there was almost all the time. The uh, uh, the <laughs> but, but the community is the best bit, right? Like that's maybe like my my. That's why I went to work for Games Workshop because I thought that they were. I felt like they were failing the community quite a lot. So I I'm, I left doing one of the jobs because I was a nightclub promoter and have been for years. Um, I left doing that because I thought I could genuinely steer them in a direction where they could engage better with the community. Because community is the best bit. We're all just dudes like like and ladies and, and whoever you are and everything in between. Just living your best life um, and generally being pretty sound. So I think that's something that should be talked about. I think it's cool. Yeah, but that's a, that's a really good introduction. Uh, gives a good personality into who we're talking to. I mean, honestly, everyone should know who you are by now, except for Jeff, who doesn't listen to anyone on podcast and cares not. Yes, Jeff. Uh, fuck, Jeff. The, fuck all of those guys. They're all dicks. <laughs> Jeff, well, Jeff and I mean, lives under a rock uh, as far as Wargaming, Wargaming content is concerned. He lives in his car and he usually records from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knew he had an important uh, guest, so I mean, he, he found a homeless know. shelter to record from. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, the, the next week or the next show, it'll be somewhere else. I'll, I like to record from exotic locations like dumpsters. Uh, <laughs> this is my but I mean, our main our main subject today is going to be what Rob has rolled out with T Sports, which we'll get into a little bit later on. And I'm sure we got plenty of questions, and we'll figure it all out. But first, let's talk a little bit of hobby talk. Uh, Chep, do you got anything that's been going on? Um, let's see. Probably the biggest news, and I'm sure I'm going to tread on a little bit of our content here, is um, reacting to some of the GHB 2020 leaks. 
um, I probably the most interesting thing, you know, I've been asked multiple times about whether or not I would ever uh, reopen my courtship with Stormcast. And uh, there were some new leaks that came out that Price made a hell of a compelling argument. And I started running some numbers and I put together a Stormcast list that I want to try out. So kind of reconnect with my roots a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. I built a Lord Aquilor and uh, five Vanguard Hunters and three Aether Wings um, day before yesterday. So, Jeff, how do you feel about what you've seen so far? Well, I mean, for the Stormcast, it gives me some hope because with this, I mean, it, it's, all right, it's still anvils, anvils, anvils. Um, this build still really says uh, the only way to make it even be interesting is anvils, but it's at least a chance. So, you know, it's got a hell of a lot of mobility. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think it could be fun. We'll see. It, it doesn't have that raw, just like right in your face, ultra power that my zinch list had, but it has the, the advantage of being able to, not be there if I don't need to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I can wait. force. Yeah, I can force those flamers into the open, and they can't hide from me. There's no way I double their range, or well, yeah. almost double their range. And I can. It, it's actually a pretty efficient army, which I like because I roll really poorly, pretty consistently. I mean, one thing, kids, you never ever ever blame your dice, but uh, Jeff, you know, I. I take steps to mitigate some luck elements in my world. And uh, that's a needed thing for me. And uh, this list does it automatically, which is wonderful. And in such an easy way, uh, the Aether Wing, like it's using the three uh, battalion build. I don't know how specific in details you want me to go into this, but. Well, it's not a Stormcast podcast, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so I'll leave that for another day, but. There's a there's a, a super battalion and two sub battalions and it makes the shooting really efficient. Um, I'm really excited to try it out. So I mean that's <laughs> it's uh, it's good. You're giving the, prob hope the problems with Stormcast are deeper than just points. The problems with Stormcast are more than just points. Yeah. Um, so this is I a fun way to try and get them back on the table a little bit, but. It, it probably, I don't know. I mean, the cynic in me says it's not going to be enough. Um, but it'll be fun to try. It'll be, it'll be enough for everyone that wants to bring Stormcast into their other army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be enough for cities to be more, com more com even more compelling. Because so, cities even daughters, Stormcast play well. Even daughters. I, it, I, got, I got some Stormcast yeah. elements, and I'm happy. Yeah, Stormcast can't play in their own book. They do much better than anyone else's. Sorry, Rob. I was just going to say, it, I, I, like, I can feel, like, absolutely, like, the, the sentiment behind that. Like, those Stormcast players as well, who is their first love or that's their thing. You know, having that fr uh, breath of fresh life pushed into it as well. I also I don't know about you, Jeff. Sometimes I feel like when uh, I'm having an idea or I see the points and I need to express it like you just did, you feel like you're just looking for someone to just kind of pick up on it and go, yeah, I can see what you're saying because it's, it's quite... Uh, um, an abstract thing sometimes to talk about and even like think up 
and to put on the tabletop. So before you build it, buy it, paint it, and then try and play it. Like sometimes it's like, oh, could yeah. you at least listen to my insane thing that you don't know tons about, please? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I'm very, I'm very lucky to have Price around me because number one, he's an excellent, uh, he seizes onto some of these builds a little bit faster than me, which is great. So he does some of the work for me. Um, well, he's Price also, works he's, with special kids, right? So. I do. Uh, I work in the automotive business, uh, so I work with a bunch of technicians who are nothing but special kids. Um, yeah. Mortgaged away their future to the snap the snap on truck. Um, but yeah, you know. I mean, I pride myself on my list building skills, but uh, Price is really good. He's a little bit faster to find combos than I am. Um, he just has more of a refined eye for it, I guess, um, and probably also due to exposure because my main thing. Really, my most of my experience is dominated by 40k, but um, I'm just lucky to have him around because we're able to proxy games regularly. So nobody makes a purchase unless they just want to, you know. So All right, well, I, I had price. a lot of this stuff kicking around, so it's just <laughs> build it. Price, you uh, put you up on a platform. Let's let's, let's hear what you got. Well, uh, the only hobby I've done recently is Underworlds, um, because I, per the current narrative of our podcast, I'm still in the process of moving. Uh, when you live in a house for ten years and then you move to another house, it takes a long time. Uh, but I have been playing some Underworlds. Uh, I bought Beastgrave. I've uh, played a couple games. I'm gonna play a couple games more. Uh, it's something I can do in the interim while I wait to get all my stuff set back up, and I can kind of dive back into it. Uh, so I have been enjoying playing Underworlds, uh, which is a really good game. If you haven't tried it out and you're thinking about it, uh, I'd recommend at least giving it a shot because it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So Yeah, so you're new to this Underworlds, right? Like yes. This is your first uh, yeah, Beastgrave is the first one I've purchased for it. I've kind of like... I've kept an eye on the game, obviously. It's been something that's in the periphery. Uh, as an Age of Sigmar player, I've always looked at the warbands. I don't think there's been one that's been just really great in Sigmar yet, but it's been no. fun to kind of... Nighthaunt, the Briar Queen, yeah, is Briar actually Queen, pretty good. Yeah, she's seen... Some of them see play. Like, it's not a no-play option, but like I said, I've kept my eye on it. I decided to dump, to dive into it and give it a shot because I needed something I can play in a smaller space right now and doesn't take up quite as much sort of... Uh, hobby time and effort. I can play three games in about an hour or so. So I've been playing a lot of a lot of Underworlds until I can get back into the full swing of Age of Sigmar once we get all moved up. So to piggyback you off know, that, I to give it one, I won a Shadespire tournament. Nice. A while back, back in Florida, have that's a little good. like have give a little yourself. plaque that's like this big, little give trophy. yourself a pat. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But to give to give so reference to that, my uh, my wife when she came to me with LVO to three years ago she played the shadespire tournament for mm -hmm. the two days so to get show the ease of the the game itself and how well it's actually constructed like she having no grasp of rules or anything really took on to that game whereas age of sigmar in 40k she just doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> yeah but that's been the, she was the only female in 80 players to be there <laughs> that's a pretty impressive number but our hobby as a whole is starting to get more and more diversity which is a, a great thing uh, and I think yeah. as we start to increase that, we'll see more and more of that. How about you, Dayton? What you been wearing? Oh, sorry, Rob. I interrupted. I no, could I, it's just, just on that subject. Could I ask a question? Uh, and because it's just in my head at the moment. Um, I, I had a, a really nice chat with a young man who knows nothing about wargaming. Um, uh, but he did suggest to me, because we talked about it, he, he was a... To, to give context, not that I think it matters, but I, I'll bring it up anyway, he's a black fella. Um, and uh, he said, uh, we talked about diversity in the hobby and I said that, that there's very little. And um, he said, well, his first 
really interesting protocol was why isn't there a women's only tournament and i was like ah, i'm not sure about that like i don't know that's the right decision like how do you organize it like the men run it that's fucking what's that that's weird but like what would you the know, purpose I'm, of that be yeah yeah well i mean they do women's only football right like right. they do women's only x now they don't yeah. do women's only yeah. magic like as an example magic the gathering women just play i just wondered like he brought it up and i was like I'm not sure. Maybe it was a backwards thought. Maybe it wasn't a backwards thought, but I found it an interesting thought and I've had it percolating. So the only thing I could ever do is talk about it and then see where it lies. I could be wrong and I'm wrong tons, uh, but I thought it was interesting. I, I don't know. I wonder I, if my thought there, I don't see the, I don't see the, the uh, gender driven mismatch. Like why couldn't a woman just win a man's term? I, I, without getting way too deep into uh, sort of social issues on our yes. uh, mini wargaming podcast. Um, this is true. I do think that there's probably, if not for a tournament, I wonder if there's not space for like ladies night wargaming at like the local shop, right. To create that sense of community and involvement um, because there is like the women's PGA there is, you know, and I, I guess there's probably a question of like different skill sets and stuff like that. Uh, but um, I think it's something that's really interesting to consider. It's definitely not something I never thought about before, but I really do think that there's probably a really good chance for local hobby shops to foster and build more diversity by creating like lady, I hate to use the term, but ladies night for, you know, coming out and playing games or something like that. And that way you can create that sense of more of a sense of community so that if you are a woman who plays war gaming, you don't feel quite so alienated because there's right. an opportunity there's to come the together. Meta and play. Yeah. Right. And and just the conduct would be such an issue. I feel but like if you are, right, I'm going to look at the game, like the video game industry for a, for a kind of a guide here and the level of hostility that women receive in that venue which is probably isolated and I don't know enough to say anything concrete. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to touch off anything that's not intended, but um, I know that there's been some really ugly scenes that have come up in video game industry regarding women. And so conduct would have to be very closely watched there, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of it disappointing always should be, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, it should be in general, but I mean, it just feels like in the, in the, in the gaming community, there is a gap there that is not being properly policed. And I think because there aren't all that many voices saying anything about it that nobody really knows anything about it or cares. It's not that they don't care. It's that it's because there's, you know, so many problems in the world. What's this compared to something else, but uh, heads up right now, this is going to be longer than an hour episode. Typically what we go on to. Uh, Just... I, I feel the need to bring up something really quickly and this is super off topic, but I want to talk about, have you guys seen the crazy stuff that's happened with Laura Bailey, who's a video game voice actor? So Laura Bailey voices a character in Last of Us 2. And like, oh, she yes. posted a thing where like people are threatening to kill her for the thing that a character that she voiced in a video game did. Like, you see, you people know, are out of control, man. Talk about fucking nuts. You know what? Man. You know like, what? We need to get off the internet and go have a meeting in person. And when somebody says that, you just whoop their fucking ass. <laughs> you just beat the, beat the brakes off of them. Knock all their teeth out. And then people will stop doing this. There won't be any more of this blind threat bullshit. But people yeah, like, will stop because that also, is bullshit. 
she, she's not the character. Like, if you're listening to yeah. this, and you probably aren't. Lunatics. Only like 20 people listen to this. And I don't imagine if you listen to it, you're a crazy person. Uh, but like if 40 you, people. 40 oh, people. my bad. 40 people listen yeah, to Yeah, man, this. get the, it right. The, the other 20 of you, I apologize. <laughs> I, I really didn't mean to count you out. Um, but if you're listening to this and you don't understand that a person who voices a character isn't that character. Yeah, maybe and they're not like, responsible for the content. You know, right. they just kind of read what the little script says. Yeah, maybe maybe take a take a step back and take a deep breath. Um, yeah, you need but, you need to get mental help, buddy. Uh, I will say, Party of the All Point supports Ladies Nights Wargaming. Um, hell yeah! Get out there, ladies. Yeah. Do your thing. Hell yeah! Take I'll serve some drinks. Yours. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'll serve some drinks. I'll do whatever is needed. So whatever yeah. will put everybody at ease and let everyone have a good time. That's what should happen. Yep. Jeff, if you ever want to feel good about what's being done go watch james son of bob strikes back they actually do go to everyone <laughs> that comments and beat the shit out of them they do it's, it's a great movie Good. I, I mean, if, I heard, if i heard something like that go down i don't know that i wouldn't catch a you know catch a uh, a little rap sheet because that's uh, that's insane and like my brain can't encompass the mentality that would be required to have that kind of position like i don't have the ability I'd throw you that, in. I'd use that you much of a pig. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Now, uh, that we've, uh, yeah. now that we've veered way off of uh, yeah, now off that we're like <laughs> and completely derailed Rob's uh, off. Yeah, now there were meme materials. <laughs> no, that, uh, sorry, sorry. Thank you. No, I derailed you. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hand grenade. That's a tough one, right? Yep. Like that's a prep should have been done, but yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I mean, it's it's a very low percentage in the hobby in general is female. Yeah. We have more younger. Up, we have more younger people played with. You remember Tony? Price? Yeah, mm-hmm. Tony. Well, I don't know whatever happened to him. Tony worked for Games Workshop. Well. He moved to Baltimore and ran a shop for them for quite a while. I haven't talked to him in a while, but that was the last thing he was doing. Yeah, so. I, he played Blood Angels. That's really the only thing I remember about him. Yep. Back in the day, the Rhino Rush. <laughs> yeah okay L- little stroll down memory lane. yeah I, w- I was talking about how women are very lowly represented in our community and our hobby but yes <laughs> well, that, was, uh, as, that was tangentially related oh for sure <laughs> without a doubt right. back back to our adventure today Yes. yes. Uh, as for hobby talk on myself, I have very little to add to this conversation. I'm still working on my display board. I am almost done. I just got to paint up the trim. I have my friend who worked on our graphic for our podcast. She's doing a plaque for everything. Uh, by the way, Rob, if you need anyone to work with, I have a firefighter that I work with. She does amazing design work. She's worked with the Forge Narrative, uh, Paul Murphy as well, who had nothing but good things to say about her. So just just throwing her name out at you if you ever need that uh if you need the logo if you need the editing you need it all she's on it so she's doing the plaque for me on uh, my board and then other than that i my wife has me making a fence with a couple gates to keep the dogs and the kids in and i have to keep her happy (laughs) because she's the one that picks up my mail and doesn't question it (laughs) there you go rob oh yourself rob yeah Oh, I just fit, I just base, base, sprayed uh, a Gasgo, uh, who I'm looking forward to painting. Uh, but Age of Sigmar wise, I actually a bit of a wobble. 
uh, because I uh, was doing my zinch, uh, mainly because I'm really excited about horrors. Like I know horrors are really strong. Uh, I understand it. The, the mechanic excites me. I think it's cool, the mechanic. Whether or not it's too strong is definitely a good conversation. Uh, but the mechanic excites me, and I like it. But I've always had a big Nurgle army. Uh, it's one of my first loves. And, um, uh, and I wouldn't mind exploring putting some of that on the tabletop again. Uh, but it was my 8th edition uh, army. So I'd like to, to look at that because I like conversions and Nurgle's one of those things where you could just do really fun conversions. So, but with the, with probably un, with, uh, unlikely I'll play any real games for a tournament. I feel quite lucky at the minute and I'll probably just paint up like little units here and there and not really work towards a goal at the minute. Have you ever got Mega Ken or anything with uh, Age of Sigma? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've played them quite a bit. I really enjoyed them. Uh, uh, I've, built some pretty cool armies out of that back in the day like way way like two or three years ago um and i would like to play them now i just don't know what format i'd like to play them there's some cool bits 80 wounds for 500 points from blake kings oh yes blight kings i get it but like just pushing forward like 50 blight kings is the probably the dullest game you could ever play of whatever (laughs) right (laughs) what else does nurgle have though Ah, challenge accepted uh, Nurgle has uh, Centigors with Blades of Putrefaction, which is probably my favorite thing to do. Uh, yeah. There you go. It's got chariots that explode. You can yeah. do that as well. <laughs> you can do that. You, you can run Marauders. You can run Warriors. You can do all sorts of fun fun stuff. So, Of course, with the change with no more double say, no no more doubling up on feel no pains or, or damage res, uh, reductions, whichever you want to call them, that's, that will impact some of that Nurgle play, particularly like the warrior war shrine build but that's not too bad so can we talk about that for a brief moment like what big armies were taking advantage of that the double uh, double actually, save i actually think that not not overly many if you actually looked at it but what they're i think what they're doing is prepping to make sure that it doesn't impact in the future legion of chaos ascendant would have been one yeah uh, because you could double double there uh, that's pretty important um uh, vermin lords and, and the like the but really it was the I think it was just people were just triggered by a five up, six up. They actually took it away from 40K about a year ago as well. Yep. So um, maybe there's just some parity. Sure. Yeah. And I think like Nagash will get impacted by it. Because um, Nagash has this, like an extra mortal wound save. Uh, Croak. Croak was yeah. using it. Yeah. It does, though, currently, rules as written, does not impact shrug saves. So, like, if you have the ability to put wounds into a unit. Uh, after you've taken yeah, like one, bodyguard pass off. Yeah, bodyguard pass offs kind of bypass that right now. Like obviously, with everything Games Workshop does, sometimes it's a little bit tough to figure out what they mean to do. Uh, but currently, that's the way it works, and I suspect it'll probably stay that way. But I'm not sure. Um, Nurgle are impacted. There's a couple of cities builds. Of course, the other thing that's interesting too is with the new changes to realms. Some of the builds that took advantage of it won't take advantage of it anymore because they don't have the artifacts to do it with, like Ignax builds. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, I'm a big fan of that change as well. For sure. Kind of dumpstering the realm can, artifacts. It also means they can just give out uh, DPR saves, damage prevention rolls, wherever they like, don't they? It's like, well, okay, yeah. you can take that one, you can take that one. That one's a five up, this one's a four up. You get to make that choice, and then you just pick whichever one. So it's cool. They don't have to stress so much that they might make a mistake. <laughs> right, and stack up too many of them. They don't make mistakes. Yeah. GW makes amazing rules. We support them fully. <laughs> Thank you I, for the game that we all play. 
I love me some Games Workshop. I also worked for Games Workshop for eight years. Games Workshop makes mistakes, so. <laughs> Hiring me was one. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I like their games. You bunch of malcontents. I love their games. I just sometimes I love don't games. love the way they write the rules. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes it just makes my brain hurt. Just like, why is it that it seems so obvious to everybody else, you know, but not not them? It makes my brain hurt to look on your shelf and see all the unopened boxes of everything. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jeff is a collector of all. He plays both I, systems. He Yeah, I'm I'm wants a very prolific. I've been I've been playing for a long time, man. Long time. I, uh, I don't know. It's it's just yeah, everybody's got their thing and this is I have a, a quick aside for my own personal safety. My wife just threatened to kill me with a knife. Uh so Oops. if no one got if you guys don't hear from me in some period of time, somebody please alert uh Memphis authorities uh, as the likely culprit. <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> all right well that first segment took us all over the place between social unrest minorities hobbies, <laughs> changes to the ghb uh but let's take it a little bit lighter for a moment and we're gonna ask rob a couple questions and let's play a game rob called yes. Is it Hide the uh, salami? Yeah. <laughs> Don't play it. Don't play it. Later. Later. <laughs> uh, here in Canada, we have our own football, uh, not soccer, but actual football. And we have a bunch of teams that no one's ever familiar with. So we're going to play a game called Is it a Canadian condom company or is it a Canadian football team? Oh my God. <laughs> You know, it's sad you got enough of both to have this game. <laughs> this will be a very short topic. We do not have a whole lot. <laughs> there are two questions. <laughs> and the nice thing is Jeff and Price won't be able to help out because I know you guys don't know CFL. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you're right. wrong, but I won't right. help. So. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll go a little bit easy to start with, of course. Okay. Uh, let's do lifestyle, condom or CFL team? Definitely condom. Yes, that is correct. Yes! Uh, oh, I thought that was a really Trojan safe choice. Or yeah. the canoes. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Beyond yeah. seven. Condom or CFL team? Oh, beyond seven. What would you want? Beyond seven of what? Gotta go for CFL team, Inches I guess. Around. That is incorrect. That is a condom company in what? Canada. What? What's that mean? What does Beyond Seven mean? What the hell? I told you circumference. <laughs> Rough Riders, CFL team or Canadian condom? Ah, uh, I so want that to be a condom. I'm gonna j- because I want it to be condom. I don't think it is, but nope, that is a CFL team. But still, great name for a condom. (laughs) Should be both. (laughs) Blue Bombers, Canadian condom or CFL team? You're making this up. This is the Blue Bombers, Um, the CFL team. Yes, that is correct. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, you guys. So, so the the Blue Bombers use blue balls? No, they have blue jerseys though. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Don't don't question Canadians. We come up with weird shit. <laughs> kimono, Canadian condom or CFL team? Calling kimono would be super weird either way. Like uh, condom. That is correct. 
That's so weird. That's so odd. Like, name it after a Japanese piece of clothing. Like, okay. <laughs> Stampeders. Canadian CFL team or condom? CFL team. <laughs> that is correct. You're still hanging your game. Yeah, you're like, you, like only a... got, you got one wrong so far. You're good. Uh, okay. Or two, sorry. Two, two. I'll <laughs> let you into Canada now. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Canadian. No, you have, no, no, no. In order to get in there, you have to be able to chug a thing of uh, maple syrup. <laughs> Better be ready. It's all on the lips. Uh, so now we're going to start getting a little bit more of the Canadian culture, which is French. The Alouettes. Ooh. Canadian. Me? Alouettes. Canadian football team or a condom? Alouettes. I'm going to go for. <laughs> I go football team. That is correct. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, crown. CFL team or Canadian condom? Condom. Eskimos. Oh, that's so. I don't, isn't that the worst? It's cold. That's weird. Condom. Nope. That is a CFL team, the Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> that name Redbacks. Redbacks. CFL Red team ba- or Canadian condom. Dude, oh my god. That could be either as well. Yeah, it gets harder. Be- this has gotten harder. Don't don't think I haven't just led you into this. This is harder. <laughs> she said. CFL team. <laughs> That's correct. Oh man, that one would have been good if it was the other way. One. That's it. Oh, just call one. one. Yes. Surely a condom brand. That is correct. And last, I've got one. Yeah. It's actually a really cool name. Last but not least, the Argonauts. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was just going to say condom because I want someone to call. I want someone to call his dick Jason and just be like, my balls are the Argonauts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're part in the sea, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Uh, there's oh, a CFL team. oh, that's still fine. That's still fine. <laughs> you got three wrong. You, you got through there pretty good. If you come to Canada, when you come back to Canada, sorry, uh, we will uh, welcome you with open arms because you know the difference between the two. Rob, did you yes. almost die in Canada from Tim Horton's coffee? And Dairy Queen. Oh, okay. Was it Dairy Queen that got you? Never eat Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did. I did. I had arrhythmia, Texas which stop was pretty sign. fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh. It was an it, interesting time. The crazy thing is how long you went with an erratic, erratic heart beat. Yeah, which is just insane. Like you must have been, you must have felt like you're on drugs. Honestly, it's like 36 hours. To be honest, I felt just like a little bit more excited than I normally feel. Like <laughs> <laughs> normally, I'm amped up. This time, I was super amped. Up. Super amped. No, yeah. But this one goes to 11. <laughs> Yeah, it's excitement for Canada. It was really good. You know that little red spot on your RPMs? I was there. Yeah, (laughs) Jesus. All right, thanks for entertaining us, Rob. With that, Uh, I just wanted to break things up a little bit. Great quiz. Well, yeah. And then uh, we do have some questioners from Twitter. Uh, Really, honestly, I think just. Oh, Jesus. It's both from uh, Rage of Sigmar. Go figure. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Jacob Berry asks Rob, how British am I? Uh, He's he's so British. He's like the tippity-top of Big Ben's cock. (laughs) Uh, 
Jim Vessel asks, "Oh, when when is he going to have me on again?" Jim Vessel, uh, yeah. post ninth edition, when he can tell me that demons still suck. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe Bagano wants to know why don't you pick up your phone? Because <laughs> he knows who's on the other end. Because I was doing this. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Uh, but it is true when joe calls me it's one of my favorite things in my week joe and jacob are like the nicest guys they'll call you all the time to see if you're okay they're super nice guys uh did i tell you that uh joe won our we had a contest for uh war cry war band professionally painted and he ended up winning it so that's good yeah painted it uh so one of them was painted professionally so um stroking my ego a little bit here one was painted by me <laughs> and the other one was painted by i won the adepticon charity raffle for warcraft oh awesome so it comes with like a display base and everything for uh, the corvus cabal so i painted corvus cabal and then i won that so then i run a ran a contest and you could you're you had your choice you had the one between the two so he took That's the one cool. that i won from adepticon so and then he oh. said as soon as he entered he knew he was going to win suck it all i'm the best Joe Pagano move. Yeah, it's very Joe. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That's one of my favorite things on Twitter that became a bit of a thing last year. Is people would put up their lists before they were going to event, and they would say, "This is the winning list of this event." And then if they won the event, would a few days later retweet themselves. The the Babe Ruth. (laughs) They were the Babe Ruth in every tournament. Uh, I, 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 was, I really enjoyed that time. That was really good. Um, Amazing. So, okay, we'll go take a quick uh, blip from one of our adverts. And I don't know, I'll pick one out of the hat. We'll see how he does. And then we'll be back with Talking T-Sports. Hey, this is Joe Cryer, competitive AOS coach of Titan Wargaming, and you're listening to Party at the All Points. thing i always know is people will not understand something and misinformation is always your danger what rules league (laughs) fuck this game my models are burning my birth models are burning (laughs) fuck you all gw is the worst and welcome back to party at the all points that was someone who we appreciate and love and thank you for putting your effort on whoever you are i'll pick it later on during editing Thank you so much, person. <laughs> or team. Or team. store. Or something. <laughs> Whatever. We do everything. Complimentary entity. Yes. Excellent. Uh, all right. So the main subject tonight, the reason why we got Rob on, of course, is the announcement of T-Sports. If you all haven't seen it yet, we he came up with a YouTube kind of introduction on what they're going about. But... Obviously, I can't give it justice. We have the man here himself. Rob, take us through T-Sports. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. This is the, <laughs> the first. <laughs> to the 20 uh, people standing up in front, you, you'll be fine. So if you guys don't know, uh, I have uh, covered, I've taken equipment to tournaments and done live coverage uh, at tournaments all around the world, uh, including Canada, sweet, uh, America, uh, which has been cool. Uh, I've done the LVO, uh, four games workshop. I've done Nashcon in America. Uh, I've done CanCon. So I've done loads of events. Now, um, and the thing about uh, events is, is that no matter how much they pretend they're not, they're tournaments. 
there is a winner. Now a whole bunch of people go and they don't care about winning. They want to have a good time. Yeah. And that is absolutely completely their right to do so. I think I would quite like to go to Wimbledon and just have a knockabout, you know, have a laugh. They don't let me. Uh, because I'm not an athlete. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of javelin at the Olympics as well. But, the, so, um, but there are people who go and they try to win the event. Now, your initial response to that might be that you think that those people might be win at all cost players. That's a term that people use, which I feel is really disingenuous. Uh, people who try too hard, I feel that like that's a disingenuous term as well. I feel like that there is, um, uh, there is a degree of skill and quantifiable passion that can be put into playing war games uh, that can be showcased. And there is thrilling games that you can do live coverage of when two players are playing at that level and they can be doing it in a fun, hearty manner. They could have a stone cold poker face, you know, uh, there's all sorts um, in between. So uh, sometimes I think of it more of a sport than I would do as an event. And I feel like we could get into this even longer, but effectively events kind, events kind of put their feet in two camps often. You know, you're like, I want to get drunk for the weekend and push around my toy soldiers that I love. And you're like, sweet, you can come along. And you're like, you're like I want to go and crush and win that big trophy that you're offering me. And then the, the guys turn around and say, you can also do that. And then those two worlds meet on the tabletop. And one guy is like, I can't wait to beat you, you bunny. This is going to be great. The other guy's like, you're horrible. I hate you. You make games awful. And like, there's like this weird interaction which events uh, create. Um, anyway that's events as I've seen them uh, and I wouldn't want events to change I don't think but I do think that there is a format that's applicable to make it so that you could maybe hone down on what maybe we think a tournament could be more like in a more professional capacity and also maybe more engaging both for the players and also for an audience and that's kind of what I've been working on for like a year and a half does any of that seem to make so sense? You're, you're focusing on the heavy meta players uh, no, well, no, because actually one of the uh, core tenets of the game that I think is significantly different to almost everything else in the world is that there's a huge narrative behind it. It's actually been like a, a key focus. So like some of the things that aren't announced yet in the pack is that players will have to name their characters, um, uh, you know, if they're not named characters or units. Now, a competitive player be like, I'm not doing that, but I'm like, you have to do that because it's a story point, right? I love that. Barry, the, the grot hero, ends up doing that last wound that kills Archeon. He's then a legend. Yeah, and I like the, its name and its convention. There's also stuff we do with the boards. Uh, we've had some like very in-depth, long-term meetings about the boards, where the boards won't be boards, they'll be settings. So they will be boards, as we traditionally think of them, but they'll have a name, they'll have a backstory, they'll have a, a narrative setting. So we won't be not going to table one, we'll be going to the realm of Dugoth or whatever other stupid name we come up with. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, um, uh, well, this is obviously for the super series that I'm talking about now. So uh, I think the narrative is something that when we do live event coverage, we're so under the gun time-wise. I have to learn two army lists immediately. I have to learn how they play the battle plan. I have to prep. I have to make sure all the tech's ready. And then we've got to get that done and we've got to get it out. So I don't really get time to come up with like kind of the the narrative for what might be happening at the same time as well. Whereas given a bit of lead time, we might be able to also fulfill that part of the hobby, which some people really want from the hobby and they don't get out of competitive games. So I feel like that you can pull both those levers. You just got to work harder, which I think right, is so fine. You're Ooh, trying to appeal mostly to the viewers. 
honestly. You're trying to create yes. a story to engage people to then tune in and get the viewership. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. which makes a lot of sense. I mean, because at the end of the day, if if somebody's going to tune in and watch something, right, like you want to try and hit as many points as you can. So definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, it's ultimately yeah. what everyone's been trying to do with either systems, 40K or Age of Sigmar, is how do you get the people to tune in? Because I mean, like, you get you get LVO, you got League of Legends, uh, Mark Merrill, who actually does attend and play. You know, uh, Reese does lean on him pretty heavy on how to make it a bigger thing. I think the the the, the problem is the format, right? Like, if you take League of Legends as a format, League of Legends doesn't have eight hundred people playing; it has two teams of five playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the because I I watched the video this morning and then I uh, hit the uh, hit the website and did a little reading um, because while I sound like a hick, I try to be moderately prepared sometimes, um, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I thought that that I think is from a me watching it standpoint, I'm most excited about is that instead of sort of 200 people playing in a room, it's a much tighter thing where I the sports is about storylines, regardless if it's esports, tabletop sports, or sporting events. Like it's, it's storyline driven at the end of the day. That's why it's interesting. That's why it's fun. I, I would argue. And so this, for me, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun because we get to build more narrative in that context, not just narrative from age of Sigmar, but as I'm watching, we get to see those storylines develop across a tighter band and we get to enjoy them to fruition so to speak so that's something i'm personally excited about as a watcher so as somebody who but, really be tuning in yeah yep. that concept seems like it uh it creates more uh excitement on a cliffhanger narrative you know like tune in next week to see whether or not you know Strong how, rolls you know how this how again. this battle unfolds <laughs> and how it impacts you know later things and then, so, uh, like that was one thing that I always imagined would be so much fun was being able to chain the results of one game into the reality of the next. Like a, well, just as an example, like I used to play Battlefleet Gothic and then whoever won that battle would get an advantage in 40K. Rob, you don't get to overtalk Jeff. Jeff, no, 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 no one gets to, to overtalk I do Jeff. what I want no to one, No one can overtalk Jeff. <laughs> no, do I want to. No, do I want to. I actually want to hear more. So please continue. Sorry. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, <clears throat> no, I, I like, I appreciate the concept of the narrative approach. It'll be interesting to see if it create, like how it's going to be done to actually create a, like the story, you know, like that's what people want to see now is, Oh, well, what's going to happen? You know, it's almost like a, a cartoon at that point. Or yeah, well, I, think what, I think what Price was saying was like, is, is a key tenant of what I've learned from doing the coverage over the course of the past four years, actually, well, more, nearly five, is that, uh, is that it's the storylines. And that also is actually really indicative of everything I've done in the Norse Wargamer as well. Like, so New GHB comes out. We know the current storyline, as you were saying earlier, Jeff, is that Stormcast suck right like so like now now they've but now that that's a storyline but now if someone comes out the gate with the new stormcast thing because the points are dropped like we already are engaged in like narratives and storylines in all the different ways like you know there's the big event uh like like if i take lvo this year as an example lvo and cancon there was that huge narrative of how many ocr bone reapers armies there were and how many of them were Petrofex, which was all but one. It was like 37 armies and 36 and, were Petrofex. And right? what's each going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so there are already those key points about the metagame. 
problematically though is and this is another thing about events versus something that we can organize ourselves is that events are generally sporadic and they're not they're not connected you know there there, there isn't an integration from one event to the next so while the, the big event might be in america or australia or sweden or england like they're run by different tos where i find that information out comes from a different source so like i i feel like it's not an interconnected level of story and i also feel like sometimes that there's no um like if a team if a group in australia have an event and someone wins and a group in america have an event and win there's no real connection between those those groups and i think that you can eventually integrate those victories meaning something later on does that make sense yeah so definitely before yeah. you didn't they uh, do a global Sorry. campaign in 40k once can't over talk jeff <laughs> no man I mean, I think they've done something like that before, have they not? With a global campaign where the results are reported and yep. cumulatively across the country or across the world, uh, whoever, whichever faction reporting wins the most, wins that little battle and it shifts what happens next. Yeah, they did that. They did that. And they also, um, uh, and then also stats are also that story as well, right? Like, yeah. that's a way that, that cohesively puts us all together. Um, it, whether it be 40k or Age of Sigmar, like stats give us that kind of ongoing story, which I think is, is also great and like has allowed so many good conversations to come out of it. Um, yeah. Before we get into all that though, Rob, why don't you go into the actual details of what the T-Sports is going to be about to kind of give us a little bit more basis to then have conversations about Okay, yeah, sorry. So the, the T-Sports Network is actually uh, the kind of the umbrella brand for us doing coverage at events, um, wherever that might be, because it's a bit more professional. The Honest Wargamer is what we are. Uh, I like telling the truth, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a presentable professional frontage. Uh, and we would need that as a community if uh, advertisers or other people would like to get involved to help organize things. They can't be listening to me and Nathan make dick jokes on a Monday. Uh, they need like a professional front of house thing. <laughs> right? uh, so that's what the T-Sports Network is. But the Super Series is my brainchild, I guess, um, uh, where it is a, a single, uh, single bracket elimination match for teams uh, that play, instead of playing over a weekend, they play over the course of weeks um uh so that you end up with like a, an eventual champion uh, of those teams which is a little bit different to how you would ho host a team tournament anyway tournament anyway because it also means you get to do some extra cool stuff like we obviously uh, the big thing i think everyone's talking about today is the ban phase so we get to do a dota league of legends style um uh, ban setup which is quite fun uh, and i think actually solves another problem i have like a list of like five or six problems with wargaming and everything the super series is is meant to be uh an answer to all of those problems whether or not it's right we'll see but that's what i think anyway so the initially what you're going to have is uh, five players on each team four four and a, four, four, four and a coach and then the once they're paired up then you're going to have the elimination round where yes. you're going to select units that you are not allowed to play with during that tournament. Yeah. So only so those two teams. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's say you and I Dayton, uh, we're on different teams uh, and our teams are, are going to play this weekend coming on the Monday. We would, we would match up and then we would do alternate bands uh, for units that could be applied to both teams uh, when you submit your list later on in the week. 
So you're not like you don't turn up with a faction selected or anything else. You just go. Uh, and there are some. Uh, I've gone through. I've got an FAQ uh, that's all up and ready to rock at some point when I talk about that, which will be like no battle line units. So you can't just hammer carriage and overlord because they've got no. You know that's pretty hardcore. Like or which bandy. Yeah, or Zinch, yeah. And once you ban a unit uh, from an army, you can no longer ban another unit from that army. So they're safe. Mm. So uh, there's some, there's some mechanics in there which will make it quite interesting and exciting, I think. I think that's the key part. Yeah, so I think that was one of the, probably one of the biggest concerns or questions we had about that was how can you nail that down? Can you, because <laughs> you can obliterate an army by nailing battle lines, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, also, it's very weird to hear you say Dayton and not Mamder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I just thought I'd try. I just thought I'd try. It's so weird. I, but there's been loads of iterations. One of the things that we're going to do once a month is have like a developer's talk uh, where, we, where we talk about all of these things because uh, the solution element is definitely open to interpretation, but the problem is always going to be there. And the problem is, is that during a cycle of time, who knows what that cycle of time is, uh, how long it might be, is there are some armies that are just on meta better. Like, and that, that's a problem for uh, my engagement, right? Like, so when someone does a bat rep and it's just this army versus that army, I have no context, nor really any um, like motivation to care about the result other than the guys are having a laugh, which is cool. Like, that's exciting. So let's, let's break that first part down a little bit better because I'm sure a lot of people are going to be tuning in as I've advertised to figure this out a little bit better. So when you do the elimination, what are the guidelines in the uh, elimination on how you go about that? Like oh, what's on limit and what's off? Yes, what's on limit and what's off limit? Oh, so units, yes. Uh, I still have a, the jury out in my own head on endless spells. Um, that's just like a yes or no on the day when I put the pack live. I just want everyone to know. But battalions you can't ban uh, and you can't ban battle plans or anything. So mainly it's units. So, but not, so no battle lines. So you're basically going after heroes and eels. You're going after eels. <laughs> oh, that, is a, that is a question actually that uh, I just thought about. Um, and I don't know if you've thought about it yet or not, Rob, but out of curiosity. Yeah. Uh, so can you, does that include situational battle line or is it just flat battle line? That can't no, just flat battle line. Battle line if is, is totally okay. Okay, gotcha. So situational battle line is still an option to take off the table. Um, yeah, and I, there was also some weird interactions with like, uh, so Stormcast. So like if I ban Stormcast unit X, let's just pick an encounter. Uh, you ban that from the book um, and it, uh, that means that Stormcast is safe. You could still ban something from Cities of Sigma. Right, but a Cities player also can't take an Encantor at that point. Uh, yeah, I love League of Legends, and the ban phase in League of Legends is probably my favorite thing. So for me, this is really exciting because this is one of my favorite sort of parts of that process. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a really exciting idea. Uh, is there? Have you guys given any thought to, and obviously like this is something that evolves over time, uh, the certain ranges have are, are blessed for models. Like I play a lot of Cities of Sigmar where I have probably one of the biggest model ranges available versus say the new Lumineth where they have four, four units that aren't a hero um, or a monster. Like, do you guys feel like there's an impact in that? Is that something that you're concerned about Uh, or just going forward? Is it just going to kind of be played as it lie? Well, so initially, initially because I know that there's going to be some pushback and some worry it's as broad as I can. There's like no battle line units can be banned. So currently the version that we have uh, in the pack is 
the most open so that every army is viable, even suffering a singular ban, you're still able to put an army on the tabletop. Yeah? Right. So like, that's fine. So or we have made it the, uh, the most open we can with adding that fun element in. Now, I did have a conversation earlier on in the week with Logan, who's a, a Street Fighter commentator, and uh, we had some conversations as well. He feels that a better version of the game- The video game, would Street be- Fighter the video game. He doesn't yeah, just street- comment on people fighting in the No, he just finds bums fighting and talks about it. <laughs> sorry, well, there, there are those people. Actually- he is based in London, so I'm not sure if that's not true. But... <laughs> can, he, can you make it home from the bars without getting into a street fight in England? I just want to know that. No, you can't. You can't. That's the fun. British handshake. Um... <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Okay. Uh, the um... oh, what was I saying? Uh, the bands. Uh... Oh, but the, his suggestion was that that the players should be uh, army locked you know like and then it's on them if they make the mistake like if 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 your art like eels is the perfect example we can all talk about right if i choose Ideneth and i decide that if i like if a future super series we decide to army lock people and i decide to go into it with Ideneth, number one I, I, like and someone bans eels actually there's a really great conversation about whether or not can i do the same with defensive eels can i do it with thralls like or is the army a one-trick pony? And I feel like that that's a good jump-off point for a conversation about the army anyway. Like, if your army is just a single unit, like, that's not really an army. Like, it's just the same thing repeated, right? Like, and, and, and is that even overly healthy for us to watch and see? But currently, that isn't the format. That was his suggestion, and I kind of liked it, uh, because then, you know, you look at the army lists that get taken, and you think, well... I try to think of something a bit more broad. Slaves to Darkness. So you can't ban Marauders, but maybe you do ban Bellacore. Um, you know, it, the thing is, is I know that other people are going to do stuff with this system that's going to blow my mind. They're going to come up to it with a strategy and a level of skill uh, and thoughtfulness that I've not even like been, I, I've toyed around with it with a couple of people like over bits of paper. Yeah, you're basically that. a rules writer right now. You think you have a great system. You release it to the public and they're going to fuck it the way the meta players the meta players are gonna just shit all over your hopes and dreams (laughs) and you're gonna realize fuck why didn't i think of that let me wait let me wait six months and i'll come up with a fix for that price and i were talking beforehand and had a and had a point that i was curious about and it was on this subject um i mean what if your collection you know you get one week notice basically what yes. if your collection doesn't have, like, say, all right, let's say, all right, let, we'll take my Zinch list. I have 480 points worth of flamers in there. That's a 12-man unit. What happens if they ban it, but I don't have anything to take the place? I mean, I guess that's just like kind of on me. I need to have a bigger collection, right? Is, is that kind of the, is that the position of the arrangement? Is you need to be ready and have multiple builds without key units. Yeah. Well, if we look at actual, like if we look at esports or football or like, it doesn't matter what. Normally, normally, and that's the role of the coach. Like it was really explicit that the coach is a non-playing person who is a member of the team. Um, and my intent, because I won't be able to organize myself with hundreds of team members, is that I'll only ever deal with coaches directly. Um, and that's I, what I'm hoping to get eventually is some very dedicated individuals who want to create 
better teams and better teams would mean a better economy for those teams so availability of armies um would be a big one right if we look at some of like the groups uh so uh, i've been watching some tabletop titans videos for ninth edition yeah uh, and those guys clearly have got a ton of money they're doing a video on every single faction and they have every single faction fully painted to an incredibly high degree which they have obviously paid for ahead of time and they're using it to make content now i don't expect the regular joe uh to have every available hold on rob we're losing you rob no i i think i was picking up the general gist of of what you were laying down there though as as the internet ate the rest of your recording and i think the idea being that uh it's eventually coaches drive organization right and it becomes less of a four dudes and a coach and more of a this is a team right and when you have yeah. a team teams organizations they put together resources and they develop bigger pools to support from which is something yeah. i think is really cool and pushes more of an idea of a, a it, it, there's an element of professionalism therein right because as an organization yeah. comes together and they build a resource pool um and create Go ahead, Rob. No, no, I was just going to say that the, the thing that I desperately want to try and achieve is like a is like a top-down system for entry for new people. So the thing that I don't want it to be is just a group of people. Like uh, the eight people, the eight teams of people who I like in England, I live stream every year. <laughs> like, I don't want that to be the case. Right. Like, what I want is is I want someone who's new to see that they could play this game well if that's what they're excited by, play the game well, practice, talk to their local guy who helps get people on a team understands that process tries really hard to like be a part of that and understand it enters one of those teams and then eventually goes and plays into the system like i i, I want to give people a vehicle to improve themselves and also have a goal to improve and what like you know and give them some some uh, organization that's far beneath me that they can go and be a part of right yeah um and I, and I think I think that's what's really, really exciting because there are people in the community uh, who are super invested in helping everyone around them, TOs and uh, guys that organize clubs and, ev uh, and everything else. And, and those guys are passionate about doing that. So I think giving them something to drive that passion into would be really valuable. I think it's important. Uh, no, because I think it's important. It creates something a little bit more aspirational than winning whatever your local grand tournament is, right? Which is a good thing to shoot for if that's what you're excited about in the hobby. But there's definitely that structure I think makes it a little bit more aspirational and gives you, especially as a new player who's interested in the sort of more competitive side of things, not at the expense of obviously your opponent's fun, but if that's what drives you, it's great to have something really to say, Hey, this is what I'd like to do. Like this is where I'd like to land. Cause I think that helps build people up in the hobby over a longer period of time. Um, Cause they have inspiration. And it, what's cool about the format it, for teams versus singles is it means you're doing that collaboratively like from your local area or your club, you know, like if you've got a big club and like half of them are gamers that don't care about winning and half are, but the, the half that don't care really want to support the half that do because you want your club to win, you know, and you put together a cracking team and your workloads and like, you know, all sorts. I think, I think, I think there's more to it maybe, or maybe I'm just dreaming, but I think there might be more to it. I'm not sure. I think you had a dream. Oh, no, that actually starts pretty good. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it. So, like, one of the first things that I, when I read it this morning, I was thinking about, right, is in the U.S., especially, like, in, say, the southeast where, where I'm at, it's tough to sort of envision it, right? Because at my local store in Memphis, we probably have, like, 10 people, maybe 15 people total who play Age of Sigmar in the city right now, um, just because it's not a city that's replete with gaming. But the counterpoint is 
it would be really awesome because I was kind of brewing on a little bit. It'd be really awesome to create like a Southeastern regional league, because if you pair yeah. us up with Nashville, Huntsville, you know, New Orleans and Jackson, Alabama might have some. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely enough people there to put together what would be a lot of fun to tap into what's already like a really competitive, like regionality thing and add age of Sigmar or 40 K for that matter to that concept. So and that way you've got like this really cool like regional super league or super series, which would be a lot of fun. I think that's actually, yeah. that's actually a core component because uh, the, the, the thing that I'm not interested in is just doing something for myself. Like, so the, the purpose is, and it's quite clearly stated in, in the launch video is that, so we're going to run one here in, in England um, uh, leading up to Christmas. So the, the timeframe's fairly soon. Um, and then uh, obviously COVID, this was all meant to be announced actually months ago, FYI, <laughs> COVID obviously <laughs> threw a spanner in the works, but it's also very COVID proof because oh. you've got, you've got a crew and eight people. That's like pretty low numbers, which is a positive. Um, uh, so I've, we've landed on our feet there, but I'd rather COVID had never happened. Uh, so that's an obvious thing. Um, uh, but yeah, like the whole idea is, is that it's scalable as well. So in England, we have loads of players, loads of people, and we're all in a very concentrated area. So I could probably run a 16 man super series, like, you know, uh, over the course of uh, six months. Whereas, you know, if you're in New Zealand, although New Zealand got quite a few players, but if you're in one of the smaller places, so I was, when I was in Sweden last year talking to the guys, they were like, well, we can probably put this number of teams, uh, players together in Gothenburg, uh, and we can put this many together in, in Stockholm. And then they do regionals, and then you end up with a Stockholm champ, you know, a Gothenburg champ, you end up with regional champions, and then you go play. And what's exciting about that is you end up with a national champion and then it's quite clear where that goes from there. Like, but before you can get to just having national championships, you need a way to develop local champions, right? Like right. otherwise, otherwise <laughs> I do kind of find international teams quite funny. They're like, we're the international team. It's like, cool. How did you get that? It's like, we decided. Like, <laughs> yeah, we just picked our members. That's cool. Or Wales. We hired everyone that was good. Now we have a team. <laughs> <laughs> Wales rules <laughs> and there's also a story how that team get there right that's actually another thing as well I think that I also think that if your national team got through a process of beating everyone I think everyone else will just be like fair, fair play we're on your side now um, right it cuts down some of the uh, rel relatively notorious nerd drama that tends to, cir to, yeah, to pipe up around reduces around yeah. uh, the selections for some of the bigger team tournaments that exist right now, which as an avid user of Twitter, I must say I'll miss uh, because when I'm slow at work, <laughs> nothing's better than like just some good nerd salt, but you know, uh, <laughs> it's probably better for the world if it's not there. So <laughs> um, I think probably a cool side effect of this too, just, and I don't know if this is something you've thought about, but there's a, there's definitely an element in wargaming where like, oh, well, if so-and-so won with that list in the U.S., it would never win in the U.K., or it would never win in Australia. But, like, if this continues to develop, it it hopefully will start to remove some of that weird, like, international, like, my scene is better than your scene bit sometimes mm -hmm. and bring more uh, sort of unity to the multiple Age of Sigmar scenes and multiple 40K scenes around the world, which would be a lot of uh, really cool factor. Uh, and probably pushes the game forward, especially from data gathering and statistics standpoints. I also, yeah, I, I think also like there's some parity. Like if you see a bunch of bands happening in the English Super Series, for instance, and you're in one of the uh, Australian sub-regionals or even just like the nationals, whatever it might be, like, you know, you'd be like, actually, that was a, that's a great current pick. 
that's a great like picking bellacore is good because that gives me <laughs> loads like do you know what i mean like i do the bellacore pick and all of a sudden that gives me loads of options so you're looking at what other teams are doing so it's not just what happened at some tournament it's what strategies were that team using and employing what get like and then you obviously and the most important part which i haven't really touched on is you will be able to watch every single one of those games that we have here in the english super series online for free um and then our intent is to uh, i'm going to run support for all of our other partners all around the world so if they want to uh, eventually the website will have a bit they'll be able to report uh, event results from super series in other places and and other stuff and and maybe even like help produce streams in other countries as well like it's not meant to be a, a me thing it's meant to be an everyone thing i'm just trying to drive it right but everyone well, listens to you because you are a main influence on all the community because like i, I, said, I, smell like I said before you voice everyone else's community but let's Jeff, I'm, but I'm sure some people think I'm an arsehole though. Like, and that's a key part. Like, I, like I'm gonna have to try and make it so that it's less me and more everyone, and that's important. I don't but know, what's... man. I tell you what, I, this sounds like a lot of fun. And price, I smell a Southeast Conference. Yeah, a conference would be would be a lot of fun. It's it, that was yeah, and like that, a Memphis team, you, it, me, and then we need to find two other people, and then we can just go travel for a weekend or, or a day game to Nashville. And then just drive back. Yeah. So let's let's branch off of that and let's talk about what's the bare minimum that someone has to organize to get something like this going. Well, so it depends, right? Like, and that's the the, the key element for me is as much as I've travelled, I don't understand the distances, like <laughs> especially in England, because Warhammer World is ten minutes away from me, and that sometimes I can't be asked to go. It's too far. Uh, whereas you're three hours <laughs> away from any war gaming. Yes. <laughs> so uh like I, I need to understand that and put it into practice and some places um some places are going to do well and some places are not going to do well with organizing it and uh, but i think maybe two is the very two teams is the bare minimum i would feel but like i feel if you could push to having four that gives it some sort of validity you know like four teams so but, and that's because uh, yeah because i think that that's the the scalability right and that's also something that is part of what we we talked about uh, in the early days is we want it to be very scalable for the different areas and regions or places where it's tough like in order to do an english one it's so easy for me but if you wanted to do an australian one and end up with an australian champion that's so or america if you wanted to end up with an american champion that's a lot of work you know you've got to do your regionals to end up with your regional champs your state champs and then uh, eventually your national champs it's an exciting prospect as well and i feel like it would bring all of the communities in america together which yeah, is it just needs to be a geographical region kind of like kind of like college football that's a perfect yeah. model for this actually okay well maybe there's well, we're gonna, from we're that, gonna use slaves to what do our sports college football doesn't have slaves <laughs> what are you football? even talking about that is that is all it is they don't pay them that anything is... <laughs> there's an argument to be made uh in all sorry, sorry to derail that sorry sorry yeah sorry. that was like really gross but okay <laughs> but yeah um so one other question i had uh that i wanted to ask while we've got you on because it was something that I think there's been a lot of talk about in general. Do you think this helps promote more of an idea of a universal governing body for Age of Sigmar? Like if this is something, especially if this takes off and sort of takes root, eventually you need some form of 
every sport has it. Every sport has a commission or a, a commissioner and, and sort of a governing body. Is that something that you think that this eventually encourages? Because I personally think it's very helpful. I think one of the things that's often missing is basically we have games workshops guidance. And then after that, you have regional guidance on how the game's going to move forward. Do you think this helps push more of a international commission on the sport as it were? Yeah, so one of the things, um, I'm really into transparency. Like, uh, so we talked about, uh, and we've said on the show that we're going to have um, like uh, monthly uh, uh, production meetings effectively uh, so that they could be that kind of, that, that thought. One of the things I don't want to be is the arbiter of all the rules. <laughs> uh, like, it's, uh, I, but I recognize that in part, at least for what I want to do, I'm going to have to be the decision maker in some of those bits. I have thought about uh, very recently, I've touched, uh, I've reached out to a couple of people and asked if maybe they would be an independent commission second to me, so, or secondary to me, uh, to decide some elements uh, going forward. Um, and you know, we're, we're in discussions at the minute. So that might be something that I put into place where it's removed from me because I'm um, invested. Uh, and at this point, therefore, I'm conflicted because I'm invested in making the most entertaining thing for people. Like, um, and I'm hoping that that also means it's the best game for people to play. That's, that's my aim, or game in format at least. Uh, but I recognize my own bias in that, so I want to, be, I want to at least have someone, some people to check against. So right. I'm not sure what form that might take. Um, but I also would encourage, and I've been a huge proponent of this for a long time, that Games Workshop just do the game and we just play the game. Like, that's key. Like, that's like, uh, like uh, I've talked about this a lot. Like when we do the stats for Age of Sigma and like Sinesha riding at like 75%, you're just like, this is just bang out of order. Like you should like, and that's down to individual TOs. Whereas we're going to have in place at the tournament, at least initially a system for people, the players themselves to take an active rolling, stopping that from happening. Like if the Super Series was available last year, you'd just be like, okay, I ban Keepers of Secrets, done. Like, and now no one's playing against it. That changes the meta up a lot. That's the initial thing. Um, how that develops and grows is a great question. Um, and I'm, uh, and I'm, I've had lots of thoughts about it, but uh, I'm not sure where I'd like to go with it yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would like to point out for our audio listeners, because it's an audio podcast, Rob said he believes in transparency, but he's wearing a black hat and a black shirt. And I'm really concerned with that. I really feel like it was an opportunity to wear a see-through shirt um yeah so, or green that would have been yeah, perfect green would have been great so we could just photoshop stuff over rob uh rob's now showing <laughs> off his t-sports network shirt which i did see um but you know um no like i said i i watched it i was very excited about it because this is something that i have had a lot of interest in and for our region particularly here in the u.s it'll be a little bit more of a challenge but i think that the end result is bringing together some for us, it's a great chance to bring together very disparate elements over a large geographic region, but getting that to become more of a universal community so that when Memphis does a thing or when Nashville does a thing or Alabama or New York, New Orleans or something like that does something, we can create more of a, a and if we can use this to drive that and sort of have that feed off itself in a feedback loop, it would be really awesome for our part of the country. And I think it makes Age of Sigmar even more watchable in a broadcast format, which is really cool. Oh, I'm so, hoping so. Anyway, like I also can I just also say that I feel like a bit of an arsehole. Like, like can I just put that out there? Like, it's um, I, it's been my baby for like a year and a half. Like, so I'm scared that it's out there and, and people are looking at it now. Um, but also, like, I feel like maybe it's a bit 
up itself and a bit too much, like too high-minded and ideal to be reaching for sometimes. Uh, but I also know that like, and I, I made a statement of intent two and a half years ago on my very first podcast when I left Games Workshop and he was, and, uh, was on a Scrubby and Welsh podcast and he said, well, what is it you want to do? And I said, I want to be in a crowd, not commentating, not playing. It's very specific. I want to be in a crowd with my friends, with some of those clappers that you get at esports. Uh, and I want to be watching two people play or, or a group of people play to win a world championship. And I want, to, I want to understand the gravitas of it. And I want it to be the game that I love. Now, I get it. when If you talk about football, you get it because you're like, okay, I love that game. I want to go see him do that um, and whatever else it might be. But I want that for Warhammer. I want to sit and I want to see them do the thing. And I want that double six charge roll. Like, I don't want the crowd to go wild because there's an energy there when I play a game one-on-one, which I know is translatable to a, an audience. And I can't wait to be in that crowd and see that moment happen. I think that that's, that's a thing. And I'm just trying to make that happen because no one else I feel like is trying to make that happen. Maybe that's like, that's it. And uh, I sometimes feel it's, just, but then sometimes I think, like, Rob, shut the fuck up. That's the <laughs> other thing I think the rest of the time. <laughs> Uh, in my opinion the only thing that is even remotely kind of like uh pushing that on that any any kind of negative connotation on it would be just the base present or the base requirement that you need to have a fleshed out collection Hmm. you know like in order for this to ultimately start spinning you need you need to have everything you you need to be ready and so i I mean in a way that's kind of a minimum but isn't that part of the nature of a competitive yeah. sport, right? Like, because you don't go to agreed. You don't go to a lacrosse game. Like, you don't make a lacrosse team without like a goaltender, right? Like, that's not right. You, you do, just so. need to. You need to have all your shit together, and your, I mean that's okay. I, I like yeah. it. Like I said, I'm. I got really excited when I watched it. Uh, obviously, I, it's going to be fun to watch it grow, and I think there's going to be a lot of challenges as more people get their hands on it. But I think it's a really cool concept, and I'm excited we got a chance to hope. I, I think we probably got World First to talk to Rob about this in person. Did anybody Neat. beat us to it, Rob? No, you've got World's First. Awesome. Uh, we got World First. Oh, uh, no, Goonhammer is going to ask for Rob to do a write-up that takes him a whole day to do, and he criticizes himself all the way through it. <laughs> so I'm sure Goonhammer will have something good on this. I'm not saying anybody else won't have great stuff because I'm sure lots no, of people sure are will, talking about this. But we got World First. One, so so if anybody else is listening to this uh, and your podcast didn't get Rob first to talk about Super Series, uh, suck it. Uh, Too bad for you, bitch. <laughs> yep, World First, talking to Rob about Super Series. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited to watch it grow. And think- uh, depending on how things work, uh, I would love to be a part of pushing that in my oh, yeah. part of the country. So That sounds fun. It sounds like me and Price are the first two members of the – of the Memphis Southeast Conference team. <laughs> and I'm, our, oh, I'm already fun. thinking about it, doing it in Alberta as well. Yep. We just need to know. Yeah, minimum. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, that's a nice, elegant way to solve the lack of concentration of players. Right. We just have minor traveling. You know, we find a communal point, go there, play a game, and then go back home. Talking about distances, you know? Rob, have you ever seen oh. how long the state of Tennessee is? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a big middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> also, the the other element which I haven't talked about yet, uh, which I'm not sure is clear on site, is that the the two teams will play over three rounds. Right. Um. Uh, and actually, uh, and also, uh, by the way, love that you guys want to be involved. Like, I'm so hyped. But like, every time people say something positive, I'm like, oh, yay. 
Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I think that's that's really awesome because we were talking about repeat storylines and why things are interesting. And playing over three rounds obviously means that like uh, so you got the draw process. So just because the the four players are playing against the other four players, sometimes you get repeat matches, sometimes you won't. But that's that's awesome because for a day of coverage, that's actually a really exciting. Uh, methodology there's another set of storylines as well for the draw and who which armies get put in first yeah. um we have we have a really cool thing happening with terrain uh which um i'll talk about on another uh, another time um and uh uh yeah like there's some really fun drama points there but but most importantly it's a day it's not a weekend it's not three days it's a day and right. maybe it's a yep. Maybe, maybe if, like, so if you're in an eight-man super series and you win, or you're going to win, you would have to play bracket one, so that's one day, bracket two, another day, bracket three, another day, but it's a day. Like, you could travel up in the morning sometimes. Like, it's, it's working around the fact that this isn't people's jobs. You know, right. it's just a day, but you still end up yeah. with a system that you can be a part of, which is, I, well. This I is know, very I, doable. Yeah. I also yeah. think the three person, the three games in the three games in team helps too to reduce a lot of the because one of the biggest complaints you'll often hear about Age of Sigmar or Warhammer in general is that there is a, a an element of randomness which obviously skill helps mitigate. But when you play three games across the team, you really help mitigate skill comes to the fore, right? Like skill is yeah. the primary defining factor in those three matches across the aggregate, which I think is a very important part of that. So before yeah. we move on to uh, more into that week of the T-Sports and what needs to be done, how are you keeping track of the points? Like, how have you figured that out? Yeah, so there, there was... <laughs> so there, 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 we actually had done our own secondaries because the Games Workshop secondaries are pretty weak. Um, oh, do you, mean like a, do you mean like a BCP style app? Well, like you're talking about, ultimately your goal is to pair this team against this team despite countries and everything else that's going on to be able to kind of come up with you know a top league so how is that all going to be brought together oh uh so i'm not allowed to announce that yet but to be tv seed uh like uh (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) that's fine fuck me right that's a good question very exciting i mean i talked about a lot on here like um which no we have some great content <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, there's loads. There's there's loads more to it. The, the train thing's super interesting. Um, there's there's so much. <laughs> like you can, if you decide to actually break down this game, like there's so much fun stuff you could do to make it better competitively, and still deliver on that narrative thing that people love. That's the that's the that's the element I think for me. Um, so there's a bunch more sections to go into. So we've only honestly nailed the eliminating the models, like what's mm-hmm. not allowed to be used. And then the fact that we've talked about how many players are needed and mm-hmm. your bare minimum to then proceed into this. So we'll start getting into more into the actual tournament itself after this advert. Hi, this is Robin from Blow Ranking Family in Prince George, BC. You're listening to Party at the All Point. Enjoy responsibly. It's so important and it's so big and it seems innocuous and then you do it and then it's like you realize how pivotal that is. That's what she said. Welcome back. Uh, After that little brief 
advert that let Rob figure out his sound card so that he has audio again because that is very it's all important. his fault. <laughs> it literally is. It, it turns out the internet gets really weird when you go across the pond. <laughs> it's not good here. It's not good at all, uh, which is weird. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyways, we uh, we talked about the intros, uh, what it's going to take to get into this format, uh, the number of players, essentially the pointy behind it uh, and the overall objective of it. But So now that we've eliminated units, now the teams have to go back into pairing. Now they have to create a list and then they got like three or four days, Rob? Yes. So they've got it's the Thursday the list comes in. Uh, so they've got from Monday night to Thursday. And actually, that's the kind of one of the drama points that's most fun uh, for all of us, right? So I know t- these four people are playing. I know these four people are playing. The, the, oh, us as the like the network we've we've given you who these players are armies that they've played previously you know we've given you some backstory so you can even if you never met them before you understand the environment a little bit these units have been banned and so now you're like you get to amongst your friends you get to like kind of talk and be like i wonder what wonder what they're actually going to pick what's on meta what's big what's what we're going to see uh the announcement of the battle plans um is another thing that will happen as well so there's like a uh, a load of stuff going in there which is really really exciting and then you get the list in and then uh and then we announce the list so then there'll be like a list breakdown on the friday and stuff like that so you, you'll we'll go into those matches a little bit more prep than you would do for a regular tournament um and then when you go into the pairing phase which is obviously super exciting on the actual game day uh there's all of that element which is an additional part of the game so there's there's so many uh points of drama which is and storytelling devices which i think is is really fun uh for for a caster anyway that's that's where the fun is and i think too as a watcher that's that's what the most fun is right is the drama points and the storytelling arcs yeah it's the thing that keeps you plugged in and wanting to watch across the week right it turns it from a one-day event from a viewership standpoint to something you get to have a lot of fun with from monday all the way until the saturday games the more i think about it that ban is just going to create so much drama you know, and so but also, oh god, <laughs> nope, Rob, go. I, no, I want to hear. No, I want to hear what Jeff says. No, honestly, I, like I, I know what I think. I'd like to hear what someone else says. Well, it's going to create a lot of drama. It's like, oh man, this unit just got banned, and that's what he used last time, and it was so impactful. What's he going to do? Especially if you faction lock, you know, because mm. then you're like, okay, well, like say, all right, Stormcast, I can't use long strikes crossbows. What am I going to do? How am I going to change my list? You know, how am I going to take the tools that I've got available to me and make the best of it? And how is, how am I going to mitigate the loss repairing? You You're going to take know, the so. 79 units that you have available because you're Stormcast. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, you know, like an Anvil's build is still going to be limited to certain strengths and weaknesses. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it seems kind of intriguing. It's like, yeah, the bands could, a well-chosen band could really shake things up. So... Yeah, there's, 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 I there's no. I like it. That's not something to dismiss. Like that banning is basically giving the power ship to the players themselves to mitigate the game to the way they want to play it. And it may is, not work out for huge. the person that picks that ban, you know. But they get back and forth, right? That's the nice thing about it is you get the the four players bouncing things back and forth. Well, I think we can segue what Jeff just said into the the fact that the pairing itself is going to be a really awesome storytelling point Mm -hmm. is it may not work out for the person who picked a, if the team bans long strikes because they were concerned about 
the way long strikes match up against one of the builds. That yeah, they and they just to don't do that matchup. Yeah, and they never get that matchup during the three games, uh, you know, during the three team games across the day. Uh, you know, it, it almost feels like you're you wonder if you should have banned something different. Um, now, Rob, I assume that the team, the matchup process is going to work fairly similar to most other team events where like a list goes in and then both teams will present a two option to play against and kind of pair off of that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we've got some nomenclature for it. So yeah, like you would end up with, uh, you'd have two defenders. So each team would put a defender in, so one secret army. Uh, and then you have two attackers. So you have two attackers that attack the defender effectively from, from the opposing team. Um, so it's always cool to come up with some cool sportsy analogies, right? Uh, there are some weird names that we've been fishing around for the, for the last card in the deck. There's, there's some odd ones <laughs> floating around at the minute. Uh, you know, no, Mr. We Irrelevant. <laughs> well, I wanted uh, for a while. I was pitching power bottom to people, but no one was accepting it. <laughs> you really got to thrust. You really got to use your hips. You want to be a power bottom. <laughs> no one wants to be the power bottom. Anyway, um, so yeah, so exactly as you would uh, think of in traditional formats as well. So uh, uh, defender in two attackers, then you do the matchup. Uh, which is cool, and then you repeat that three times through the day. So, uh, just like we were saying earlier, you end up with a you end up with a more skill based outcome as well, uh, which I think is always really important, especially in a game that's got some elements of randomness in it. You know, how many times have we heard from our friends, or we've repeated ourselves? It, if, it, if not for the double turn, if not for the double six charge, like I'd have beat that uh, that chump or whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it it promotes. I feel more games promotes a better player or better players winning right? Uh, because it is a competitive event at the end of the day. Yeah, and it kind of – it evens out those those luck spurts in games. And also team strengths. You know, it's more than just one guy. Yeah, it's all about – there's also, I think, a whole other depth that, that could be talked about, and I imagine Rob is part of the thing as a caster that excites you is sort of like the conversation that goes on as teams play because there are definitely games where teams aren't even trying to win so much as they're trying to stop their opponent from taking points. And so there's a whole second level that you get to cast about when yeah. during the games as well, where you get to sort of talk about the overarching storyline of that round as well, which I'm sure is going to be a lot of fun to talk about and develop. Yeah. Round strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, we, you can uh, lose, just don't lose by this much. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. then actually, so it's not just, because obviously one of the things that we're, we're developing. So if anyone has not tuned in earlier on in the year, if you go back and watch any of the T-Sports Network stuff. So by this time this year, we would have already covered the WTC, uh, which were, uh, I think, actually, I'm maybe a bit off on dates, uh, but we, would, we were partnered up to cover the World Team Championships for 40K. So that's eight tables of multi-table coverage. But earlier on in the year, we did uh, three tables um, and we've been building it up slowly, one table, two tables, uh, building up over time obviously as money allows because money's are really our big mitigating factor because we're pretty poor um and then uh developing the technology to be able to multi-stream games but also developing the processes how do we as a team cast three or four games and make it interesting we know how to cast one game really well but one game could sometimes be super boring so like what do we do with three or four games or two games or three games so we've been working through that process and it's been really fun uh, and we also have been slowly putting into the singles event coverage, which is still something we're going to do in the future when, when COVID allows, to do these information-rich environments because all of those data points, all those bits of information are really important. So when we did Sheffield Slaughter, we did three tables of coverage and we did a, a quiz that we'd sent out previously. 
like a, just kind of online quiz for players to fill in, uh, which the players at the Super Series will have to fill in. Um, and uh, it gave us just so much more data so we could talk about things. And, and as a caster, which I think is one of those uh, unique, ex as I'm a player, obviously, um, and I'm a watcher of games, but as a caster, I, I kind of get a unique view into what I feel I need to do better coverage and it's information. I need bits of story, I need data, and Teams provides that. Uh, multiple rounds provides that the bands provide that obviously uh, other than that the game is already pretty fascinating I'm, I, I happily cover just one game <laughs> sometimes but I know some people switch out like, I don't mind like waiting 30 minutes for them to do the big play uh, because I think it's tense but I know that other people will tune out and I do worry that when we do multi-table coverage might be some people might be like that's a bit too frantic and I want the minutiae which is why uh, we're going to record every one of the games in full as well so if you want to go back and watch each one of the games start to finish, you'll also be able to do that as well as watch the live stream, which will be the mix. So you right. can, if you're, you know, if you're super interested in Nighthorn as a guy that brings a Nighthorn army and he wins three and three games on the day, you just can watch all three of them and just be like, what was he doing? How was he deploying? Where was he moving units? How was he yeah. engaging? What, like, what was going on there? Um, so we're trying to, I'm trying to think about everyone at the same time to put the best thing out there. Right. Um, so you have, uh, you have table bosses in general. That's always been a big thing for you is to have people down on the tables themselves to direct the attention to, right? Ooh. Yeah, we're going to mix it up. Uh, we're going to, so previously table bosses would just pass the information over to the commentators and the commentators would relay everything. In the future, we're going to do more of a post analysis throwback system. So a table boss, and this is what we're operating in Sheffield, which was again, one of those really fun processes. It's exhausting as well really exhausted but like a guy goes to a table uh and then we cut live to his audio and then he says this is happening on this this has just happened this has happened back to you and then when then the commentators will do like post analysis they'll be like oh look at that movement there this happened this is important and then when things zero in on like an important moment let's say zero back in on the table and then just live from the tabletop our our table boss can be giving us that so they're more like co-commentators in the future that's kind of what we're aiming towards and again first time it's going to be okay <laughs> we'll <laughs> practice we'll practice uh but you know it's it's, it's going to take us time to develop those skills and get better at it um but we can't get better at it unless we start doing it uh, right. I yeah think that, that's where we have to jump off i think yeah. I've, uh, I've run out of my questions that I wrote down this morning. So um, I, I hope I hope I asked uh, enough, Rob, for you to have enjoyed being on the show in that respect. No, so. I'm just worried I spoke too much. I'm sorry. Like, uh, oh, man. Yeah, no, this is your baby. Yeah. You get to talk. That's <laughs> <laughs> your adventure, man. We're, we're here to facilitate and, and get people to, to know more about it. So, no, oh, excited. And share in our excitement yep. for what can be. This has got a lot of potential. Yeah, so I mean, if anything you're going to take back from this is the fact that the three of us are trying to figure out how to mitigate this into our own environment and then run it ourselves, right? Yeah. To get, oh, that is, to that get is exciting. behind it. It's exciting, right? Like, it's just fun. Like, I think that's the key part. Like, uh, I think, I think I, I also like that vision of you becoming the national champs or just even the local champs is a fun additional element for what could be and knowing that you you know you could smack talk your mates in australia or england about their team composition 
is cool. Also, merch. Team merch. Who doesn't want that? Like, your favorite team. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I Get a t-shirt with my have, face uh, on it. I do have one more question for you because this is the thing I've been most excited about since you started doing uh, the T-Sports Network. When are we getting T-Sports Sports Center? Like, when am I getting a half-hour recap of the week in T-Sports uh, that I can tune in and watch uh, instead of doing housework? And when are you well, getting so Val to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Val works as long as he never has to know any of the details. Yeah, just, just top-level highlight stuff. Um, uh, it's actually in the schedule, Sundays is the plan um uh although uh, that might move uh like as things progress um and then if we end up with a lot of international super series it's gonna be a lot of data a lot of data <laughs> to gather and collate and put together which is exciting but um uh yeah yeah nathan's no. probably gonna do it uh hello <laughs> we're looking to the t-sports network uh today loads of people played warhammer uh tune in next week and i'll uh, tell you more uh, <laughs> meanwhile i got this god grant do you want to see it looks pretty good stuffed an elf in my pants good <laughs> right was good okay <laughs> uh, jesus so oh, i mean gosh. hopefully this was enough uh interview and process of what's going to be unfold i mean if anything i want this is going to hopefully answer a lot of questions for people that are going to have for this because i mean honestly as i said before rob has a very good intuitive sense of what the community wants and you know everything that he's driving is what he sees people needing so obviously the anticipation anticipation and the excitement for it should be pretty big. I mean, if it's, I told Rob off air that it's already echoing in my area without me saying anything. Like people are just picking this up as it is. So that kind of shows the excitement for it. And if dissemination hear, is going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you couldn't hear from Price and Jeff, they're already starting to mull over how they would do it in their area, right? Yeah. So uh, this is a big excitement for this area and uh, for everything that's going on and a, a change that, honestly, <laughs> GW has not been able to fill. And that's why Rob's stepping up to try to make it a lot more popular, especially for the viewership. Well, they're the beneficiaries. They should do everything they can to help. Oh, for sure. And hopefully, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I'm not going to start talking on my ass off about how they should pick up on this and and accommodate Rob in any way possible to help him do this, but uh, whatever. Well, but but the one, one thing people can do is is if uh, you are listening to this show and you want to get in touch with me and you find me difficult to do so, which is not easy sometimes, uh, is obviously Joe Pagano wants to know why don't you pick up your phone? <laughs> <laughs> and he's genuinely one of my close friends. Um, uh, yeah, he yeah, likes get, him and doesn't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> eventually. Uh, uh, <laughs> eventually uh i'll have to i'll have to like uh, diversify and also like give some people areas to be uh, responsible for and talk to so um uh, it's gonna uh, and i'll be really clear about that as well like i'll there'll be a bit on the site which will help you navigate that but currently obviously you can contact these guys as well um as that avenue for communication because uh, that's the thing like i think having it as widespread as possible and having it as integrated as possible means that we're one community and i don't want to be all lovey and dovey but that's actually really exciting that cohesion means we're all having a bit of a laugh which is really fun Excellent. 
Uh, so, I mean, and this I, is this is party at the all points, talking about uh, T-Sports, having our amazing guest, Rob. And I want to alliterate again, this man is not doing anything for his own social, like his own self-satisfaction. He thinks about the community himself. The reason why he stepped up to do this, because he sees it as a better way, because he just honestly, honest war gamer, loves the sport and loves what everyone does in the community itself. Uh, realize this is not for his own personal gain. He just actually wants to see this thing thrive. Hence why he let distance himself, I assume, from GWs because <laughs> he wanted to see it done better. Uh, he does nothing but really good for the community. Take his words as you will, but it does come from a genuine spot. So we really do appreciate Rob coming on and doing a podcast early in the morning for us, but late at night for him because he lives in the future. He sees things before we do. But once again, this is Dayton Obrey. Uh, hopefully you appreciate this content answers some questions if you have anything more whatsoever post on our feed uh, Facebook or Twitter or direct Rob himself at uh, Rufio Symes I believe your Twitter account yeah or, six honest skills. yep or yeah. honest game honest wargamer as well because I'm pretty sure he's in touch with that uh, Rob do you have anyone you want to give shout outs to because I'm sure there's some people backing you on this uh, yeah, can I, can I, number one, uh, Tom for doing all the design work. He's amazing. Tom Wallace, uh, legend. But can I just uh, finish everything I've got to say with a quick anecdote oh, about the GHB? So one of my favorite TV shows is a TV show called Alaskan Bush People. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, I can't stop watching it, but I can't. And uh, there's, anyway, there is a young man in it called Bear. Um, there are, if you've not seen it before, there are a group of people who live in Alaska. I don't think that's actually even true, but whatever. I completely believe it is. Anyway, so he fishes by running in a river, getting a fish in his hands and punching it to death. Uh, <laughs> and that is how I've always felt about Ideneth Deepkin. Every time. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's, that's all I can say. That's, uh, that's, that's my GHB reaction. That, that clip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ending on a nice rando footnote. Uh, one quick question for you. This is ultra important. Honey or lemon in your tea? Honey. Okay, there we go. Is that good or? It, it is just, it's just a question for a British person. You have to ask that. All right. Okay. <laughs> we normally actually just have raw cane sugar is what English, they just like just chew on it. Two spoons. You, you yeah, chew spoons on the cane <laughs> and then you sip your tea as you're chewing on the cane. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, thank God the colonial sent this cane over. That's lovely. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, so much better now. Bloody hell. Jesus. Price, what do you got to add? Uh, hell, I think we've already hit about every note that I was going to hit, uh, you know, tea, sugarcane, colonials, the whole nine yards. Um, <laughs> and Rob, it's just on <laughs> July 4th weekend. How perfect is this? Rob, thanks a ton for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun to talk to you about this. And uh, I'm excited to hopefully be a part of its growth uh, and get to watch it grow. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. It's part of the Thank, you, Thank you for tuning in. And yeah, direct all comments as per se. And thanks again, Rob, for coming on. Cheers. Thank you for having me on. You guys are great. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And we'll, uh, we'll see everybody next time. Take Be care. safe, guys. Take it easy.
<laughs> so we did have we have the pack actually completely written out so one of the thoughts was is do we just have the pack on the site available initially um but i i was waiting to see some a couple of ghb things specifically if they did good secondaries um and so and i also thought we'd just release it over time try and keep the momentum going on it that sort of thing mm. so uh yeah sorry i don't mean to make you talk about it too much right now because no, no, we no, will be just... going we will go into it hard I'm back no, after this. Uh, sweet. Everyone's back. You can ask Rob questions. I need to pee now. Oh, all right. I'm <laughs> <boy>. Fool. <laughs> Hi, guys. Are you well? I'm doing good, man. Wonderful, wonderful. So that's – all right. So I caught kind of just a snippet of what you were talking about. You think the new GHP is going to retrofit the mission step secondaries? They – I mean, they've previewed them. We're not really? previewing them, but they have – they showed off in the table of contents that they're there. Oh, okay. I missed they that. Also, That's really they also, exciting. They, they also have identified, I think, um, that the secondaries will be part of the VPs in the game. Mm -hmm. So they're more granular. Yeah. Um, although they did say about increasing it to a minor victory. So I wonder if there's a situation where I get a major victory, but you achieve your secondaries, you might bump me down to a minor victory, uh, which feels like a... Uh, a negative way to go obviously 40k variant uh they've gone for a much more granular scoring system with the secondaries which i think is fantastic um but we'll see what they do it's, it's always an yeah, odd we'll bird the, the, the age of sigma stuff sometimes you're just like what what is your plan here yeah <laughs> like, yeah I, the, the rules writers for sigma sometimes get me get my head they do my head in as, as a british man let's say <laughs> so. I think, yeah, I, uh, I'm going after you, sorry no, I was just going to say I, I still blame the development process With the way they have information silos For a lot of their problems Where they're de designing things Sort of coterminously But never sh sharing those things At any given point And Yes they, it also, like, I also think one of the things That's a bit of an issue Is they uh, I, So their point of contact is Ben Johnson And, and I don't really have great oh, What a cute dog <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and I, I sometimes think he's a terrible conduit for information from the community to the designers because, yeah. like, he's that—he's the bottleneck, if you will, in in design, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah, I met him at ATC last year because he came out to ATC, uh, and he was like a really nice dude to talk to. But like, there were times where I would—I like—I asked him questions, and I don't know if it was just a thing where like he just didn't care to answer or like if the things i was saying didn't make sense um but i definitely asked him a couple of questions and i was like oh well i didn't actually get a valid answer to that at all so um because <laughs> yeah. like i've always been curious particularly in a game with melee reach like is base size something they talk they, they even think about when they have to you say that but i i don't think you they do that. like yeah um, <laughs> well okay i say they have to in the context that they obviously should be yeah but i don't well, whether or not they do yeah because yeah, i don't think they do right like i i think it's just no. one of those things where like they design the models to go on the base that it's going to go on and then they put a weapon reach on it based on what they want to put a weapon reach on it and like it just doesn't make a lot of sense given how important weapon reaches are and like how because in this game having a, a 25 mil base is a significant advantage over a 32 mil base in most for most yeah. combat units mm-hmm well, I mean, it's just simple math. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, like, I asked Ben about that at ATC, and, like, the general response was just kind of like, 
I got an obliviating answer that never actually touched on the core of that question. So, <laughs> well, let me talk about my breakfast instead. <laughs> so I had, I had eggs and I put it on toast. Is that answering your question? All right, great. I uh, don't try drinking with English though. They can go all night, wake up four hours later, and it doesn't even look like they were just shit faced the night uh, before. My old boss was a guy <laughs> named Ed Spedigue from my time at workshop, um, who's a, a Welsh fella. Uh, so I spent more than enough time uh, in the deep cups being paid for by a black Amex at GW. Um, Did I tell you about like at LVO? We were out. I was out drinking with the designer of Underworlds. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was so he was at LVO, and so we were drinking all night to like four in the morning. We're buying ourselves shots like left or right. The tournament ran at like nine a.m. My wife had to play in, and I was too hungover to even do anything. So I rolled out. I'm there at like ten, sweating profusely, trying to drink water and get a hold of the situation. And he is stone cold, arms crossed, just watching this game. And I'm like we were just drinking like we were just drinking like five hours ago and he was like yeah like i'm dying like what's up he's just like no i just really like watching my game being played i'm like fair enough but fuck show me some sort of weakness here sir maybe that's just the greatest hangover here maybe that's what you're missing is like true inspiration in life design a really good game right and that's how you'll get over every hangover you've ever had i mean do you know how much business gets done in the pub like all, they all, all the live business. there. Yeah, they all live there. All of the they they leave yeah. the office and go to the pub, have a pint, and shake hands, and that's where all the shit goes down. Yeah. All right, we'll get back into this <laughs> before this runs all day. Uh, three, two, and welcome back to party at the all points. That was someone who we appreciate and love, and thank you for putting your effort on whoever you are. I'll pick it later on during editing. Thank you so much, person. <laughs> or team. Or store. Or something. <laughs> Whatever. We do everything. Complimentary entity. Yes. Excellent. Uh, all right. So the main subject tonight, the reason why we got Rob on, of course, is the announcement of T-Sports. If you all haven't seen it yet, we he came out with a YouTube kind of introduction on what they're going about. But... Obviously, I can't give it justice. We have the man here himself. Rob, take us through T-Sports. Oh, my God. I'm so nervous. This is the, <laughs> the first 